Sensitivity is intelligence. With grace and skill, you have abundance. Welcome to the Psychic Hour. Host Kelly Brickle is a psychic medium healer, numerologist, and teacher. Her passions are learning about the soul and energy. Whether it's through spirit, emotion, or vibrational numbers, there's always a pathway of information waiting to help. Now, here is your host of the Psychic Hour, Kelly Brickle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Psychic Hour on WLTKDB Let's Talk Radio. Welcome again. So we're on our third episode. Look at that rolling right along. And today on the show, we have the wonderful Carol C.C. Miller. She's awesome. Um, She is just a ball of love. Uh, She is a coach. She is a wellness activist. She is a hugger. She goes out into the world and gives people free hugs. I'm sure she'll share that story. Um, Just a peace activator, life strategist, wonderful human being that I've had the pleasure to know for, um, gosh, a handful of years, right? I think like about five years. Um, Yeah. Isn't it fun? I get to remember, I'm like, wow, this person, you know, came into my journey here and here and here. It's, It's like a little flash Um, blast from the past. So uh, it'll be great to see Carol on the show today. She'll be coming in around 120. If you'd like to stick around for the interview portion, that's when she's going to be in. Um, We're going to be talking with her. Um, We're going to be taking some questions. If you have any questions about life coaching, if you have questions about um, strategies to help focus your own life and to create more positivity, um, this is the place to do it. So Carol will be on in a little bit. And right now, I just want to wish you a hello um, for the week. We're right in the middle of it. And I hope you feel like the energies haven't been as heavy. We kind of talked about that the last two shows. Um, We kind of do a little, you know, barometer of, hey, how's it feeling this week? And the energy does feel a little bit lighter this week. It feels like there's more change more like there's more activity. Last week, it felt busy, busy, busy. It feels a little bit more calmer this week. So world is energy. World energy is a funny thing like that. I want to talk about, and I think Carol will be a wonderful um, co-pilot to navigate this conversation. I really want to talk about um, the energy of focus, the energy of attention. So recently, I heard the quote that we are in an intention age now, no longer an information age. And so you might think, what does that mean? Aren't we still in an information age? We're just being like inundated by, you know, computers, TV, cell phones. Um, There's so much content out there. Um, Even just like when you're wanting to watch a movie, if you have a streaming service, my goodness, you have like hundreds and hundreds, if not several streaming services, thousands of options to choose from. And it's just like, we're inundated. And so why we're in the intention age now is because the most valuable commodity is where you're putting your attention, what you're putting your attention on. Because we're being pulled so many different directions, that's the new currency. Where's your attention? Because if your attention is there, if you're present, you're going to be creating um, abundance. You're going to be having 
you know, the full potential to activate either your own personal projects or with others or seizing the opportunity. So it's kind of on an energetic level. And then it's just purely on a level of if you are split in five different ways, my goodness, you're not going to be able to be an effective family member, friend, right? You're not going to be even effective at work. And just think about that for a second. I mean, we all have friends. Sometimes we're like, wow, I I just got a text message or an email from a friend and I didn't even answer that. It's because you're split five different ways, right? And everyone's split differently with whatever they are focusing on or, or pulls at them or what's around them. So about 10 years ago, plus we were in the information age, finally everyone had access to more and more and more. And since we have the abundance of that, now we're in a new age. So it just goes into the question of what do you really want? And that's why a lot of people are getting into coaching these days. That's why a lot of people either, you know, they figured out how to simplify their life and put their attention on things effectively and they're guiding people or, you know, they're like, something's got to give, something's got to give. So the world is much more abundant with therapists and coaches and wellness practitioners because people are stretched so thin. And so it poses the question for what do you want? And it's like, where do we start? And it's always just a little bit at a time. So a lot of people might be thinking, well, you know, I want to be more spiritual. I want to be more intuitive. I want to be more energy sensitive. I want to, you know, read signs and symbols more effectively because I would imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you're going to be somewhat more interested in that than the normal person. And the whole thing is just slowing down. Believe me, I'm always working on slowing down. I'm a mixture of slow (laughs) and a mixture of too fast. So, you know, sometimes it's a matter of balance. Hey, I'm guilty of it. Um, But yeah, the key is to really slow things down and simplify and to remove the things we don't need. Because when we have too much, we have to get rid of what we don't need. And so that's minimizing schedules, that's clearing out, let's say, your room in your house or multiple rooms in your house. That's about rearranging your priorities. And just being still and going, yeah, this actually is making me happy, these decisions that I'm doing. Because when we're going too fast, we're like, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to take the, you know, the kids got to get to, you know, do homework or got to write my report, got to, you know, make sure I send out that email. What, what What's happening is you're just surviving. You know, I, I'm sure you've heard of surviving versus thriving, right? So we're all working on thriving. And, and some of us are more, I guess, more comfortable in where they've, Um, landed on how they're learning how to thrive. Most of us are learning how to thrive. And that number one question is, what do you want? What do you need? And when you start eliminating things and slowing things down so you can actually think, right? You go, well, you know, I'd rather, my life is crazy, but I'd rather not be doing this. And I'd rather not be doing that. And I'd rather be doing this instead or this really makes me happy. And that's a journey in in itself because all our lives, we've been on the rush, we've been on the go, go. we've been given expectations, we've been 
depending on how we were raised, filled with all this pressure to either perform or to know the next thing. And so sometimes it won't be what you expect. It's kind of like the deprogramming, right? And it's an allowing yourself to have that time with yourself. You know, it doesn't have to be Zen. That Hey, it's nice if it's Zen. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't have to be like you're in total stillness, but you have to give yourself a moment to think. And if you can get into a place where you are quieter and quieter and listening, that's the key thing. You have to be listening to your soul and go, what's going on? Am I really happy here? What's going on? Do I feel like I am connected to the people around me? Do I feel like I'm creating? Do I feel like I'm living? Those are really important questions. And when we are quiet, we kind of are sat down with our emotions first. So sometimes those answers don't come first, but the emotions come first. And you're like, gosh, I don't want to sit and just feel how I am, or I don't want to ask myself of, you know, what do I want? This is frustrating, right? Or this is making me angry because I should just have had it by now. There's all these different emotions that surface. And really, it's foremost an emotional experience. As you're planning things mentally, logically, you know, as you're creating your goals, as you're being more spiritually um, focused, you have to ask yourself, well, how does it, you know, what am I feeling when I go after this goal? What am I experiencing when I, when I say I want, you know, this promotion or I'd rather be in this career? It's supposed to be an emotional experience because your emotions are part of your compass. Your emotions are one part of your soul that helps you have your North Star when you're on your journey to go get what you're going to get. And if you don't know how you feel or if you feel so uncomfortable, then that's going to be the vibration of the journey. I'm uncomfortable on my journey. The only reason you're uncomfortable is because you haven't sat with yourself and really listened to yourself with what you want. When you know, so think about in life, when when you just know something, whether, you know, something had to give, you hit rock bottom, or you just had a spiritual epiphany. You're like, I know what I want. No one's going to tell me any other way. Or I know what I want. And it's, it's, it's pretty close to this, right? You know, sometimes there's a little room. Um, someone isn't going to get you off track if you are locked in, if you know, or it's not a matter of I'm uncomfortable. I, I don't know what to do. It's I know what to do. And the predominant feeling is I have to do it. So that's what I'm talking about when something has to give. Now, we are sometimes met with that spontaneity of, gosh, I just know what I want. Or we're met with the moment because of, let's say, trying and trying again. We hit rock bottom. Or maybe we did a lot of work to get to that point. That's great. That's there. We have something. But before that, when we're like, I don't know what I want, I don't know what I need, or this is not working for me, even though I do know what I want, the, the 
The answer is you just have to start being comfortable enough with your soul to listen. You might not get it right on the first try, but you're going to get pieces. And the best advice I can give you, I can give you is if you feel comfortable, if you feel scattered, if you feel like you're frustrated, you have to rectify and make peace and give healing to yourself of what frustrated you. Why are you uncomfortable? And if you can learn and understand, and this is through just how you're feeling and to make peace with how you're feeling, you can actually start to eliminate and heal that frustration, that lack of focus, that uncertainty. And then when you put your foot back on the path, again, once more, it's more in alignment. It's not those anxious emotions. It's not that uncertainty coming from multiple different directions, or I don't know why I'm feeling this. You know, I, I, you know, my, my emotions are complicating things or my head's not straight. You did the work and that starts to melt away. You know, it's not a quick fix always. Sometimes it is. That's why I'm trying to like cheerlead everybody. When you do the work, sometimes it is a quick fix, not for everything within our life because we're all so different. We have different challenges, traumas, uncertainties, right? Um, But one man's, you know, difficulty is another man's easy. So it's like you just have to do the work and try it and you might be surprised with certain things. So that's my advice. We are in the age of attention now and put the attention on yourself. Put the attention of when you want something, when you're creating a goal, how do you feel? What surfaces? And stick with that. Go back to your past. Be rooted in your present and be like, okay, what's going on today? Why is that person making me mad when I think about my goal? Um, Why do I break down and cry? Why, you know, is this such an emotional experience when I think about this or that? You start, you have to start answering those questions for yourself. When you are in coaching or therapy, someone starts to pave the way so you can start to be conscious of those questions. Well, that's great. And we need that. We need someone in our corner, believe me. If you start to ask yourself the questions too, that's the sign of someone who's connected to themselves and a powerhouse within themselves because they're doing not only the work with another, but they're doing the work with themselves. And the opportunities are endless within that. So um, go within, see what you find. And it's a journey. We're going to go off to break for a second. When we come back, we're going to have Carol with us. Carol C.C. Miller. I'm going to start talking about life a little bit more, um, strategies, emotions, you know, everything we talked about is just a springboard for hearing Carol's expertise. I hope you're doing great. Um, Stick around with us and we'll see you in a bit.
Looking to launch your new masterpiece? Then try something new with Moonbow Publishing and Production. At Moonbow, we have a strong desire to serve authors in a powerful and meaningful way. After all, you poured your heart and soul into your writing and we fully understand and respect that. Remember this. You will own the copyright to your work. You will have the final say on your work before being published. Even after all of that, we've saved the best for last. We won't take a percentage sold. Nope, not a penny. Excited about MoonbowPublications.com yet? We thought so. Take advantage of our company's services like book editing, formatting, and covers, publishing, and photography. Moonbow Publishing and Productions has everything you are looking for in a company. Remember, we will not keep any commissions. We are a boutique publishing company focusing on spiritual, health and wellness, and personal growth genres. Moonbow Publications and Productions, a new kind of publishing company. Welcome. We are getting Carol in here in a moment and we're just getting everything situated. Please, if you have um, any questions um, for Carol or myself, let us know. Um, hi, Chris. Nice to see you. And we're just checking, just checking back. Awesome. All right. All right. Let's see here. I'm just checking in with some technical teams. There we go. There we go. Hello. Um, it, I totally ignored the join. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Hey, this is the third show. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I, I didn't stream. Well, I'm usually the host, though, but I've done stream yard a lot. So I should know to hit the join button. <laughs> You're giving me a good laugh. You're giving me a good laugh. I was, yeah, I was talking to you on the side. I'm like, okay, I can multitask. I can multitask. No, no, no. It's seamless in its own way. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Carol? I'm good. Thank you. It's good to be here. It's great to have you on. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for a handful of years, and I just want to introduce you to everybody. So Carol is a, posit a positive life strategist. She's a peace activator. She's the founder of Positive Focus Coaching. And she is a lover of hugs and giving love. And I want to welcome her to the show today. So again, thank you for coming, Carol. Um, I would love to learn more about your story because there's so many things that I don't know about you, even though, you know, we've been in and out, you know, talking yeah. here and there for many years. And uh, really, I guess, take me to the beginning. Like what got you into the desire, into the passion of, just being about love and giving so much love and knowing that importance. Yeah, that, that's a great question because I don't really have a definitive moment. Like a lot of people have some sort of tragedy that happened that shifted their life into a different way of being. And I've always been a fairly positive person. 
Um, but it was in the mid, do you hear a feedback? Hopefully it's not bad. Um, it was not bad if it is. Okay. It was in the mid 2000s. And I was just taking some science of mind courses and really understanding the power of our thoughts and our mind and what we can do with it. And the more I learned, I wanted to teach it and support other people in learning their own inner power on creating the life that they wanted to live. So I started doing events in 2007, book clubs, movie nights, discussion groups. And then in 2009, I decided to make it a nonprofit. So Positive Focus is a nonprofit. And I got into um, doing free hugs and that has kind of shifted. Um, positive Focus is more the hug movement, the connection of seeing people and letting people know that they matter just with a simple gesture of a hug. And then I do the positivity training and stuff as a coaching practice. But it, our minds are far more powerful than we give them credit for being. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Like we, we're co-creators of our life. Yeah, absolutely. How do you cheerlead people when they come to you and they don't know that power of their mind? Again, a great question because some people, I work with people who want to move forward. I'm not here to tell people that they need to be happy and positive or anything other than where they're at. So the, the awareness that they have initially is that. But it is interesting on people not realizing and paying attention to their thoughts and knowing that they're creating from that space of what they're thinking about, about what they're talking about and their actions. So it's just taking a step back and becoming aware. So that's the first thing we do is be aware. And I'll ask people like for the next week, I just want you to be aware and write down what you're thinking about yourself, what you're thinking about your life in the world not to judge it or anything, but think about it. Then they come back with this list and often they're disappointed on how negative their thoughts are, but it's the awareness. So once you're aware of your thoughts and you're aware of how you feel, then you can adjust from there. When you're an autopilot, life is living you and you're not living life. But when you're aware of your feelings, it's like, this doesn't feel good. Now it's my decision to stay. And sometimes I do. It's like, you know what? I'm really frustrated right now, but I'm aware of my frustration. So I decide to stay there. Or I most often say, this doesn't feel good. What can I do to feel a little bit better? So it's really, for me, the focus is to, to focus on how we feel and how we want to feel and move forward from there. Absolutely. Um, you find that most people are conscious of their negative emotions, but not of their positive emotions. I think there's a lot of people who aren't conscious of their emotions. Um, and I was one of them for many years. I've been a fairly positive person all my life, but at most of my life, it was ignoring the negative emotions. Like life's good, be happy. Don't, don't think about that thing that has hurt you or you're mad about, like ignore it. And often when we ignore things, they still bubble up. They don't go away. Your feelings want to be heard and expressed. And it's just a part of you. And what I look at it when I'm having those negative feelings or sadness or unworthiness or whatever, it's reminding me I'm focusing on what I don't want in my life rather than focusing on what I do want in my life. And something that's also important for me in the work that I do is I'm not an absolutist. A lot of people will say, always do this, never do that. 
Um, there are 7 billion people on this planet. I can't begin to say what is right for 7 billion. So I work on a scale, zero, always negative, 100, always positive. I don't know anybody at zero and I don't know anybody at 100, but I know people are closer to 100 and I know people are closer to the zero. So my personal work and the work I do with my clients is to stay in the 80 to 100% of the time. So the majority of the time I am positive, I am kind, I am loving, compassionate and peaceful. Um, loving, love, kindness, compassion, and peace are my four top values to live by. And so I am that the majority of the time, but people will say, I, I always love it when people say, I always be kind. And it's my daily practice for many years. And I'm not always kind. Often my unkindness is directed at myself. I'll beat myself up for why did you say this? Or why didn't you say this? Or those kinds of things. But I think if we're a little bit more gentle with ourselves and not expect it to be an always or never a right or a wrong and to be, you know, when you're having a really hard time, which the vast majority of us go through at some point in our life, if we can get to that 51 percent feeling better than the 49 percent and then you just start moving yourself up to feeling at 60 percent, 70 percent and doesn't mean something in your life's going to happen that brings you back to the 40 or 50 but the more you make it a daily practice of feeling better and paying attention to how you feel, when you have those hard days, it's going to be easier to get through. Absolutely. Um, earlier, we talked about we're in an attention age versus uh, information age. And we're just being inundated by all these different stimuluses around us. And even like with the, what you're saying, even let's say when we're doing the work, when we are learning about our emotions, mm -hmm. It's like we have to go constantly deeper because we're just taking so many different directions in our normal day of life. Yeah. And to know what you're ready for and what you're not ready for. It's not this isn't a race. You're not on a journey to beat anyone else, but to better yourself. So if something's coming in too quick or you're not able to handle something, just shift and move into a different focus. And it's really for me, it's really about being gentle with yourself because um, we are our worst critics. Like you can focus on what other people have said to you and have been mean to you. And not to say that that's acceptable by any means, because it's not, but you are with you 24 seven. I promise you, you are the one that is harder on yourself than anyone else out there. So the more that we're able to have some self-compassion and self-kindness, the easier it is to, to maneuver through what I like to call this beautiful and messy world we live in. What do you um, frequently tell people when they feel overwhelmed when they're navigating the beautiful, messy world? <laughs> <laughs> um, there, there's a few things, but the fact that they're aware is the first thing. So it's to step into, I like to go into gratitude. That's a, a way for me to shift out of focusing on what I don't want. Because if we're in overwhelm, we're in the don't want phase. We're not focusing on what we are grateful for. We're not focusing on what we want to create. We're focusing on the fear of what we might might happen in the future or focus on the fear that possibly happened in the past. So it's about getting back into today, stepping into gratitude. And again, there are valid reasons for people out there to be overwhelmed, to be stressed, to be in pain. So it's not about pretending they don't exist, but it is about being gentle with yourself and move forward. One of my examples, when you're in a really hard place and you can't find anything in your current environment to be grateful for, um, 
I don't know about you, Kelly, but I don't wake up in the morning and say, body, breathe for me, heart, pump <laughs> for me. My body just does it. So I am grateful for that. I, my mom had to have oxygen support the last several years of her life. I am grateful that there's medical advancement that allowed her to continue living longer than her body was allowing her to. Uh, so even in hard times, you can find something to be grateful for. I'm grateful for having a warm bed to sleep in. The more you practice gratitude, then, and I would say the, what I like to tell clients is they get bonus points when they find the gratitude in the challenge. And because I've been practicing this for a long time, I can find that gratitude far more than I can't. And one of the things I ask several of my clients, the first thing we get on the um, phone, I want three things that they're grateful for since the last time we talked or three things that they are celebrating since the last time we talked. Because when we're frustrated about something, we're focusing on what that person said wrong, what that person did wrong. I can't believe they did this to me. I can't believe they treat me this way. And we're not thinking about probably the majority of the time they do things that we do like, that we do appreciate, but we're focused on the wrongness of it. So that just changes the energy and they're able to look at the frustrated situation with a little bit more kindness because they stepped into gratitude. On occasion, and especially if you've just had that frustrating conversation, you may not be able to even come up with one thing that you like about that person or one thing that they've done nice for you. And then I use it as an example that the majority of my relationships are collaborative and helpful. This one person is the example of the I don't want this kind of relationship, but it shows highlights all the relationships that are working better. So that's another way to find gratitude in it. What do you recommend for people who are just learning about gratitude and joy um, and how to feel that in their body? Because um, you talked about there's like bonus points, too, and you know that you're doing it. Yeah. Well, and the bonus point is because generally speaking, when we're going through a challenge, we don't find the gratitude till the challenge is over. <laughs> and then we can look back and say, oh, I see why I went through that. I grew. I learned boundaries or whatever. There's many things that you learn from it. But when you're able to actually see the gratitude while you're in the challenge, then you are hyper focused on what you want rather than what you don't want. And it, it's not about excusing other people's behavior, but it is about stepping into your own power. So I just encourage people to really pay attention to how they feel. And again, 15 years ago, I would not have said that to you whatsoever. <laughs> and to be okay. It's, it's truly okay to feel sad. It's truly okay to be angry. It's what do you do with it and how long do you want to stay in that space? Because it is a lower energy, but so it's what power do you want to give that experience over to? Does that answer yeah. That? Oh, yeah. It's about, you know, you're talking about reshaping someone's brain. Yeah. You know, and that takes repetition and um, commitment. Uh, yeah, I was listening to you before I came on and you were talking about that. And it absolutely I mean, that's why I, when I do my lives and talk, it's like, these are my daily practices. And when I practice these things, when life is good, it could be easy to not do it because today I'm having a great day. Why should I take the time to think about gratitude or other um, things that I do? But it's when I do those daily and I'm consistent in doing those, when the hiccups come and guess what? They will. It's life. I have those tools to come to. 
rather than going into fear immediately and forgetting every single thing. Cause I haven't practiced these tools, like play an instrument for three years and then don't play an instrument for three years and see it, it will come back to you. But again, you need to get back into the practice of it. So it's really helpful to have some daily tools to work with. So I love the fact that you talk about gratitude and emotions and, you know, every emotion has its place. And I think some of the trickier emotions like anger and sadness, I would love to talk about that from your perspective, how to, to navigate those for people to feel those and honor those. Okay. Yeah. And sadness is its, its own because again, I mean, even anger, there's valid reasons to be anger. There's certainly valid reasons to be sad. A loss of a loved one, a loss of a job or some type of a loss you're experiencing. It's normal to feel sad. It's again, how much it depends on how impactful it was for you, but how much time you want to spend with it. So it is honoring your feelings. You can have some feelings, Kelly, and tell me these feelings are strong and powerful and I might disagree with them, but they're not wrong because they're your feelings. I may not understand them, but your feelings are valid regardless of what others think. So it's something to know that you get to feel the way that you're feeling. You get to stay there as long as you want. When the ability to walk through it and move forward with it is when you're ready to start taking small steps to feel a little bit better. For me, anger, I mean, people will say righteous anger and because it's justifiable. There's lots of things going on to be justifiable. Feeling the anger is one thing. Expressing the anger is a different thing. And uh, perhaps this isn't the same for you, but I know for me, when people come at me and they're angry and they're yelling or their voices are raised and they're how dare you and all the things that I, they're mad at me about, I have shut down. I'm not listening to one word they're saying, and I'm already thinking of how I can defend myself. They may actually have a valid point of something I did that I'm not, I would have to say I'm not aware that I did because I don't intentionally say anything angry to people or hurtful, but it, they may have a valid point, but I'm not even listening because they're coming in anger. So I encourage people when they're angry as to what, what is the end result you want here? If you're wanting a reconciliation or if you're wanting to express what this is, then calm yourself down first. Maybe walk away, write it out, journal it and write it out in the true form, not the form I'm going to talk to my friend about, but the true, I can't believe you did this. You're horrible, blah, blah, blah. Shred it burn it, whatever you can do, but it's to get it out of your body. But if you're wanting to have some results with that anger, it's really about how are you going to approach it so you're heard and you're seen. Go with, I feel, rather than you did this to me, I feel this because your feelings are valid. I, You could say, I feel you hurt my feelings and I may disagree, but those are your feelings. But when you say you hurt my feelings, I can have like, no, I didn't. What I was, I... I'm responsible for what I say. You're responsible for how you take it. But when you come with the I feel part, it lessens the blame. Like you're not blaming the other person. And the blame puts people on defense far more than it does on supporting them. So like emotions are pretty powerful things. A lot of yeah. people experience them, I guess, 
from a reactional basis Mm -hmm. or they experience them um, with, I guess, they feel them and they want to get rid of them, right? They want to like externalize them rather than let's say they bring them up personally. They're uncomfortable. They're uncomfortable. So they don't know what to do with them. Or they don't, I guess, have the experience of internalizing and, 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 you know, being in touch with that. Um, What do you recommend for people nurturing that, like starting to be comfortable with feeling, you know, because you said you said 15 years ago, you're like, I was not used to feeling the way that I feel now. Right. Um, I, I encourage people to get curious about it instead of I think a lot of times when we're not feeling good, we go into a negative judgment about it. Like, well, why aren't you feeling good? Why aren't you doing this? Or we're blaming someone else for our feelings rather than that. So one of the things is to get curious. Like, why, why do I feel this way? What has gone on in the past that has like bolstered this feeling up? Because it's usually things that we did not resolve before and they keep coming back and saying, hey, I'm right here for you. So it's about getting curious and being gentle with yourself on those hard feelings. And I would say, especially, I mean, for women, we're allowed to feel, even though it's still hard, we're allowed to have those feelings and express our feelings where men are not supposed to express their feelings or just supposed to be, you know, the strong study type. So it's to get curious about it, be gentle with yourself, find out what it's here to tell you because it it's wanting to share something. And for me, when I'm having those feelings, I know that I'm focused on what I don't want in my life rather than what I do want. So I look into ways that I can move forward into looking, not ignoring them, um, but looking into ways that I could focus on what I want rather than what I don't want. It's all about, I, I love that being curious, right? Mm-hmm. We get so, we're so curious about others, right? Whether yeah. it's someone we idolize or someone we're interested in. We got to be just as curious with ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And and the curiosity is just, I'm not even sure how to explain it, but it's, it's not in the blame energy. It's, it's a gentler way to look at whatever is hard to look at. Just get curious about it to see why, why does this feeling keep popping up to me? Why do I get triggered by this person? Yet, Kelly, you can say that to me and it doesn't bother me at all. But if somebody else says it to me, it bothers me. So why is that? And just get curious about it and learn and discover. The more that we're able to respond rather than react, the easier it is to to feel those feelings and move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. We're there's no run one rule, right? You yeah. said seven billion people on the planet. We're all triggered differently. We're all, you know, programmed differently with what have has happened to us. Um, absolutely. I would love to know, like, what you were, you wanted to change your life and you created this non-for-profit and you created your coaching um, Mm -hmm. company. What made you go, I have to do this? Mm. Because I see so much suffering and pain and there's always going to be, I just use an absolute word. There's always going to be pain and suffering somewhere in the world. We don't have control of getting rid of it all, but we can certainly lessen it and limit it for ourselves, which thus is going to create more um, peace in the world too. So I I think it really was, I, I have always been prior to getting into this actual work, 
I was the person you would call at 3 a.m. because life was hard. So I've always been that type of person. But back then, I would be, how dare your boyfriend say that or how dare your girlfriend say that, rather than looking at the collective issue of what it is and not bringing blame, shame, and complain to the table. Because blame, shame, and complain, the majority of times, not always, but the majority of time keep us stuck there. It's seldom does you, you're complaining about things and then you all of a sudden go, huh, let's talk about solutions. We stay in the complain zone instead of going into, this doesn't feel good, what can I do to feel a little bit better? What kind of positive solution can I find that's going to make this hurt go away or at least lessen? And so it's about being, the, it's often for me, just the nuances of the words that we even use. When I was talking to some people today um, and we were working on affirmations and she had said that she cannot control her nerves. She gets very nervous easily. And I'm, But her statement was, I cannot, I cannot control it. And so look at that. And rather than saying you can't control something, get curious about it. But you're affirming you can't do something when you say I can't do it. There's, I can't be an NBA basketball player. I'm, I'm not very tall. I don't want to be an NBA basketball player. So there are certain things that I cannot do. But the majority of things that I say I can't do is because I really don't want to do them. So be honest with yourself on that and, and still don't do it. I'm not telling you to do something you don't want to do. But own that rather than saying you can't. Keep affirming that if you made it a priority, if it's something you're interested in, you can look at ways to move forward to do it. So with how you moved forward in your own life, how did you go from being, I guess, a helper, a confidant, you know, someone who is there for others into turning it into a business? Because I mean, non-for-profit, the first thing I think about with non-for-profit, I'm like, oh, that's like legal. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a completely other frontier. Yeah. How did, how did, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that's a great point. And I, I don't know if I would do it differently now than I did it then. Um, it just seemed natural to me because it was such a service-based um, thing I wanted to do to make it a nonprofit. There are a lot of for-profit businesses that do service-based work. So it certainly did not have to be a nonprofit, but in, at that time, it just felt right for it to be a nonprofit. Um, I got to say, if I if I want to step into fear, it's like, oh, gosh, I got to do the government paperwork right and stuff. So um, it's definitely something that has owned me on a once a year when I have to turn in my paperwork and make sure I've dotted, you know, the I's and crossed the T's. I can only imagine. Yeah, <laughs> that's a feat. That's a feat within itself. But you just you felt so strongly about it. I know you have such a a big open heart and just like even your mug, it says hugs. And that's such a just natural part of who you are. And you, you've done it to the extent where you actually go and give out free hugs to others. Please yeah. share. Absolutely. Yeah. But I want to say people who know me now say that's a natural part of who I am. In 2008 is when I started doing free hugs and it was January at Navy Pier in Chicago. So of course, why not hug? in the dead of winter in Chicago. Um, we weren't allowed inside. I had to sign a um, protest form and it was snowy. We did not have that many people. I had seen a video on YouTube, a man named Juan Mann started the hugs movement back in 2004. 
And I just loved it because it was really for just a short, brief moment, connecting with people. You look them in the eye and you see them. So I knew I had to do it. Um, I was terrified to do it. Like I, I wasn't a, like I would hug my family, but I wouldn't say that I'm the person who comes in the door and hug everybody. So I was not a hugger until then. And I just witnessed how many people lit up by getting that hug. Um, one of the examples was an elder woman who was kind of hunched over and came in with a cane and she was crying. And she said her husband had died two weeks before and she missed his hugs. So I held her and we cried together. I mean, I just had so many experiences. I get hugs for people who are having their birthdays or weddings or, you know, they're celebrating something. But I have to say my favorite hugs are the um, ones where I can comfort somebody who's in sorrow. Yeah, there's so many moments to choose from over so many years. What are some of the most powerful moments you've observed? Yeah, well, one of them, and again, I only have personal, well, I, I did do hugs in Croatia, but most of my wow. hugs have been in Chicago. And um, when I did my first Global Free Hugs, um, these three young girls in Mexico City signed up to join me. And the weekend of the event, they sent me a picture with them three holding a sign and they apologized to me. They're like, we're sorry. We stood out for 90 minutes and did not get one hug. Um, our, our city is not safe. And they kept apologizing. And I emailed them back right away. I'm like, you did absolutely everything right. And just people seeing your sign was giving that like I, I hug on a very popular corner in Chicago. It's a public downtown um, park. And so there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people walking by us in the 90 minutes we go out there. And some days I get 100 hugs, some days I get 30. It really, I've, I've yet to figure out what makes one day better than the other. But there's a lot of people who go by that don't get hugs. We get a lot of people who smile at us. We get a lot of people who say thank you. If there's protesters alongside us, we'll get people say, we need more of you than that. So it's really about just witnessing people. And I'm a firm believer, and it's really because of the hug movement, that I believe if people felt seen and heard in this world, they're far less likely to harm themselves or others. So those three young girls who were probably like me, scared to even do it, and then they felt like they were a failure because they didn't get hugs. And like, you, who knows the next time? There might be one or two people who get a hug, but just simply being out there smiling and saying hi to people is shifting the energy. Um, another one that was really powerful personally for me was after um, a hundreds and hundreds of people walked through Chicago protesting police brutality. Yeah. And, and the police were out there to keep everything, you know, safe and organized. And so it was Really, it's such a surreal moment because it was super quiet, except for what the protesters were chanting. They walked through. Um, we're not getting many hugs at that point, but we're standing there. And three officers came to us and got hugs. Officers have walked past our hugs almost every time we're out there. Some might smile. Um, rarely do they ever get hugs. They thanked us for being there. And you could just see it in their eyes that, yes, there's challenges in our system, 
but they weren't the ones doing it. And they were taking on all of that and still standing there. So it was just um, powerful to be there for them in that moment. And I've been there for other protesters and um, just been that safe place to come to, I guess, is what I like to say. Safe is a great word to use. You're like, transmuting the energy. You're holding space for people. And my goodness, like Chicago can be quite, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't butcher the word. All of a sudden it's not coming out like tumultuous. It can be, there's, there's a, I, I, you know, for people who don't know, I, I grew up in um, Illinois, but I didn't go to Chicago very much, but you're there all the time. You love that city. I live um, in Chicago, and yeah. you, Okay. You actually live smack dab. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Wow. And growing up, like, you know, it was a lot of times with the way that I was raised, oh, Chicago is not safe. You know, that was like a, a belief in some facts that were put into my head, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you could argue which way, right? Um, but yeah, there's a lot of variance of energy that comes through Chicago. Like what, you know, what do you, how can I put it? With the corner that you've chosen, um, I, I know that you've chosen it for a reason, but what what's the activity usually like? around you on a daily basis. You said it's a lot of positivity. You yeah, well, and yes and no. I mean, no. usually it is, but it's been two years since COVID. So I haven't done hugs for two years with COVID going on. But we, we have shared that corner. It used to be a lot with some really heavy protesters of um, fundamentalists. So they are out there with their bullhorns telling everybody that they're sinners on every single possible thing. And so, and then we, we had some, uh, we've just had a lot of protesters and some of them are there and they're peacefully protesting. Others are out there screaming about whatever they um, are unhappy about. But the corner that we're at, the reason it's chosen is because it's public property. I've gone other places and it's private property and I get kicked off. So this is a public place I can go knowing I need people around to be able to offer hugs, you pick some place that is popular. So this park is right downtown. So a lot of people, people who live in the city are there. A lot of tourists are there. It's a shopping area. So there's a lot of people around there. And the energy is different when it's um, like when PETA is there protesting the horse buggies and things, the energy is different than when we're just there on our own. And I remember one time I have a gentleman, his name's Tony, and he's usually there hugging with me. I mean, I shouldn't say usually, 99% of the time. <laughs> I've been like twice on my own. And um, one time they were being so vocal, he wanted to move. I'm like, no, we're, we're not going to give up. Because the, they were specifically yelling at us and telling everybody, if you get hugs from them, you're sinners. So, and uh, that was the only time I've ever turned down a hug is when the leader came over and asked for one. And I said, no. And he said he should pour um, the blood of Christ over me or whatever. But we wow. stayed in that space because I'm like, I'm not going to give this space up just because he thinks he should um, overtake it kind of thing. And honestly, we probably got more hugs that day than other days because they saw the complete contrast of what they want in the world and what they don't want in the world. So when you see what you don't want, you turn to what you do want. And we're there to show you the do wants, the kindness, the love, compassion, and peace. Wow. So you get a lot of 
different situations, um, even more so than it'd be needed. Uh, What was your, you know, your feelings when you first started this? Because the reason I'm just so curious is I, I'm a hugger naturally. Like I love hugging people. I do, but I would be terrified to do that. (laughs) Like I'd be terrified (laughs) to just put myself out on a corner with like, I don't, a sign. Usually when I hug people, like I look them in the eye, I initiate it. I can feel their energy. When you're just like holding a sign, you're like, anyone can come to me because so, I'm saying anyone and I'm in, like, you're, you know, you're yeah. an open heart. Yeah. So that is a great question. And again, um, I know it's hard to explain it because I've been doing this now, what, 12 years. So I am the hugger, but I, w- I was you. Uh, honestly, I was you in a different way. Um, again, I'm not very tall. I'm four foot 10. So when I first started doing hugs, and it's still a challenge for me, that when I have Tony there with me or other people, generally, for whatever reason, if there's three huggers there, we get more hugs than two or one. It just seems like we must feel safer to come up to. But when I'm standing there by myself, and this is purely my own thought, nobody is saying it to me. I feel like people are looking at me like, look at that poor girl wanting a hug. Rather than when I'm out there with other people, I feel like I'm there of service rather than there to be served. And so it's a total different energy. And I keep wanting to um, figure that one out because I would love to. Some people will go out with a sign and just hug by themselves and they get lots and lots of hugs. When I've done it the two times, I did not get that many hugs but I know it was because my energy that I was putting out. It was like, don't see me. I I have a sign here, but really don't see me. I don't want to be seen. So I would (laughs) encourage you to know because of who you are, you have the capacity and people will ask me like, do homeless people hug you or like do people? I've, I have hugged people that I probably would not in a normal every given day um, speak with necessarily, but, I have um, rarely do people that I absolutely, for whatever reason, don't want to. Like um, in the homeless population, sadly, there's a lot of mental instability. And so I can tell as far as I know who those people are. And I just don't put out that energy. I don't like say, don't come to me. Mm -hmm. If they actually came to me, I would give them a hug. But really, I have not had that problem. The only time I had a problem was when, Um, And it was a woman who was drunk, a tourist having fun. And she was drunk. Um, We, it was a day we had a lot of huggers. And so she would pull a man and make him get a hug. And I first thought it was her friend, like it's her husband, boyfriend or something. And then I noticed, no, no, she's just (laughs) grabbing people who are walking by because she loved it. It was the best thing ever. So I went over to her. I'm like, ma'am, you can't like we could get kicked out, arrested. Like we can't make people hug us. I'm like, so I need to ask you to stop. So she starts yelling, stay away from her. She's a mean hugger. Oh, no. And so I finally convinced her and she finally got it that the whole point is I stand there and I'm open to hugs. I'm when you've done it for a while, you can kind of tell the person who you need to nudge a little bit. And say, come on, you know you want a hug. And then they'll generally come in and get one. And then other people that you know, they're not. But it was a great people watching 
because there will be people who walk by that they have love shirts on or peace and, you know, all the, the signs that tell me they're coming in for a hug and they don't get one. And then somebody with a death metal T-shirt on comes in and gives me the biggest hug ever. So you just don't know. But something that I think is also powerful is people tend to, I mean, for me, maybe because they know I'm a hugger, they'll tell me what's the right hug. And the mm, right yeah. hug is a heart-to-heart -heart hug, in their opinion. Um, a heart-to-heart -heart hug is a good hug. But all of these years that I've been doing it, for me, the one, the the Kelly Brickles who normally hug their, their people but would be afraid to do a hug first. Like you just, the ones who just come over and kind of just barely touch my shoulder, those are my favorites because they had to come out of their comfort zone to hug me. They had to try something that they were afraid to do, but they did it anyway. The bear huggers, I love them. I sometimes I'm like, please don't crack my ribs. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. But they did not come out of their comfort zone at all. They're having fun. I'm having fun. It's awesome. The energy is high. The energy of a 90 minute hug event fills me up for the next week because it's just such good energy. But they did not have to step out of their comfort zone to try something new. So it's the people who really have a hard time. And again, it's always an offering. It's never, I have had, um, some people will walk by and they love the idea. So I offer them signs and they join me. It's usually teenagers that will do that. And so they will sometimes get over enthusiastic and like pick people. I'm like, no, you have to stand there and allow people to come to you. You cannot hug people who don't want it. <laughs> so it's just about, cause if you're a hugger, you don't know that some people don't like it. So it's about meeting people where they are and helping them through it. Absolutely. And I'm going to, I'll jump back to kind of what you said earlier about like meeting people and also meeting ourselves. I think when yeah. we're, um, you know, putting ourselves in such an open way, you know, like free hugs and it's just love the synergy of doing it with other people. It just, it's, it's love. But when let's say if we're just by ourselves, it does challenge and it just, it does mirror back. Well, how, in the ways have, you know, I've been loved and yeah. how has it made me feel like, or what am I not comfortable to love within myself? Like it's the energy is like mirroring back and forth. And, and I think like, right. When you have a group, it's just kind of like, Oh, it's the group's energy. But when it's just the self, it's like, Oh, this is the self's energy. How comfortable yeah. am I sharing this love? And, and it's the personality too, because even in the group, there will be people who will just stand there with their free hug sign. They don't say free hugs. They don't say, come get a hug. They don't say hi. They just stand there, but their energy is very inviting. And so they still get lots of hugs. And then there's the people who are out there yelling free hugs, not drugs or whatever. And they have such a high vibe energy. People come and get hugs. If I were to start, like I'm kind of the in-between, I say, have a great day or free hugs or something like that. But if I were to try to yell and get really, um, dancing and all that. That's not who I am. So it would not match my energy. So I probably would not get as much hugs. If I sat there quietly, I can guarantee you, I would get into my head thinking, what, why, why aren't they hugging me? What, what did I do? You know? So it's really kind of finding what works for your energy and it's going to attract the energy that you want. Absolutely. It's like, uh, a healing experience on whatever level your awareness is, you know, yeah. your consciousness is on it. Cause I mean, 
I'm just thinking all these thoughts. I'm like, well, what would happen if I put myself in a corner? And I'm aware of all these thoughts I have about love and, you know, Mm -hmm. personal space and comfortability. I'm like, oh, interesting. Right. Right. So it's just like, it's, it's beautiful. If just to even invite someone to think about how the way they love. Yeah. And I had another case and this wasn't after the thought. I don't know. um, I don't remember him specifically, but a gentleman emailed, I don't even know if it was a week after or what, but he had been sober for a decade and was going through a really hard time. And he was going to leave work and go to the bar that day. And he left work and came across us hugging and got a hug from each one of us and decided not to go to the bar. So it really is to see somebody and just witness them. Um, I know that there is a lot of studies that you need to hug for 20 seconds for it to matter. Um, 20 second hug is awesome, but I promise you a two second hug is powerful. I have another one that I witnessed. It was a friend of mine who a woman, and I I might've taken, I don't remember, somebody took a little short video of it, but she came in crying and my friend hugged her for probably 20 seconds, maybe a little longer. They, my friend kept saying, you're going to be okay. The woman said nothing. She wiped her tears away and walked away. But in that moment, she needed to be witnessed. And so I like being able to be there for those moments for people. Beautiful. Absolutely. And Chris really says, uh, all of a sudden says, Chicago represent. So shout out to the city. And death metal represent when you were talking about how there's so many different uh, people who come your way and and share their love. And no, uh, beautiful stories, beautiful stories. how then within your own practice do you get people to open up their hearts? Um, I think partly is they're willing to even, even when they come to me, they're, they're willing. So that's the start. And then we just work on the layers of reminding people like I, I'm, even though I say like I do kindness and positivity training, really at the end of the day, my work is to get people to value who they are and know that they're worth whatever goal they have hired me to help them with. So I work with um, business women who are opening their own businesses or, or changing jobs or stuff like that. And in the outer world, it looks like it's about the job change, but truly it's about them feeling comfortable and confident to go after their dreams. So it's stepping back into how does that feel? What is it that you can do? We work on affirmations a lot. I work on reframing a lot of finding the good in that challenging situation and what what it comes to. I don't know about you, but there's certainly been um, experiences I've had in my own life that I don't want to relive. However, I grew a lot from that. I learned who I was in that experience. I learned boundaries for myself in that experience. I am a born helper. So um, boundaries were not my strength for many, like, Call me at 3 a.m. Doesn't matter. (laughs) So it really was about learning um, that I need to fill up myself in order to be able to help others learn how to take care of themselves with their emotions and feelings. What have you, um, I love how you reference what you've learned along the way. How has your um, coaching practice and the way that you've given back to people with nonprofit Mm-hmm. and just helped people along the way. How has it changed over the years? Like um, what, what are you doing now that you didn't do before or what, what you know, is just fresh? Yeah, I think, uh, good question. I, I would say when I started, 
uh, I think one of the things that I feel that I'm here to share with people is what true positivity is. And I, I feel a lot of people think being positive is being unrealistic. You know, the um, your head's in the sand or you're thinking things are rainbows and unicorns. And I used to be that person on um, pretending and ignoring the hard times in our life. I didn't even used to like to use the word hard because I'm focusing on it. I'm going to create more of it. I use the word challenge. I still use the word challenge more than hard. However, there are hard things that we deal with in life. Pretending that it's not hard is not the way to move through it. It's about seeing where you are, how you feel, and steps forward to get there. So my change has really been about witnessing um, the layers of people rather than trying to get them from zero to 10. We go from zero to one to two, three, four, five, six to 10, where I wanted them like, let's just be happy. Like, don't think about that anymore. Let, let's focus on, you know, a concert you're going to next week or whatever. And that works for a moment. It certainly shifts you out of um, what you don't want, but it's not going to be, it's probably not going to be long lasting without doing the work on why it keeps coming up for you. What have you brought into um, who you are within this sphere too over the years? Because, you know, we add, we take away. Um, what what techniques or what viewpoints have you brought into the mix as well? Mm. I, I This is going to sound like an odd answer, but I, I like brought... That. I brought me into it. I used awesome. to hide me and um, more because I was afraid that maybe I didn't have what people needed or wanted or whatever. Um, I have lessened that hold. So I bring me into it now. Uh, sometimes it's still like, oh, gosh, here we go. But it's it's who I am. So I just bring me to the to the equation. Do you feel like that's been a part of your practice more and more where you're bringing other people to bring themselves into the equation? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's I, huge. Yeah. Cause I, I think again, at the end of the day, for me, it goes back to, do you feel worthy of the, you can have, I have big dreams that I can't imagine happening, but I, I'm able to see it as a possibility where it's so easy to not even dream a better because you don't feel worthy of it. You don't know how it's going to happen. So it's about being, you're worthy simply because you're here. You don't have to get a new degree. You don't have to have a certain amount of money. You just have to know of your own value and start taking steps into that rather than focusing on what you're not good at. I think um, for school, now I've been out of school for a while, but it, it was, you would take a test of 100 and you would get 98 right. The top of the page still said minus two. It did not say plus 98. So we've been trained to focus on what we're not doing well rather than focusing on what we are doing well. So it's about shifting that for me. Absolutely. Um, I feel like it's important to talk about, you know, you are a leader. You know, you lead people, you help people, you, you hold space for people. Um, your healer. And it takes somebody very strong to do that. And the way we start our journey, sometimes we're, you know, like we're helpers, we, we don't put ourselves first. So what things have you found within yourself within, like I said, these last couple of years with how you've changed and grown? 
how have you shifted within your own life with like, just like your habits and, and the way that you present yourself? Wow. Um, that's a great question. I'm not even sure I have an answer for that. Um, my habits have been pretty much the same. I have worked from home for many, many years. So that shift did not change the lack of connection of the hugs and stuff like that. But it's really, um, it's taught me that we can connect in so many different ways. Physical touch is an important part of the connection. Eye contact, smiling, um, kind words, paying attention to your thoughts, your words and your actions. I, I feel like we've grown into a stepping into what we don't want and complaining about things far more than stepping back and saying, I don't like this. How can I make it better? And it's certainly easy on social media. I, I know a lot of people complain about social media and the nastiness and all that stuff. And it's there for sure. Um, but I was able to grow my hug movement because of social media. I control what I allow myself to see on social media. And I remind myself, one of my big go-tos is who do I want to be and how do I want to show up? So when I'm frustrated, when I'm angry, I don't want to be that person. I absolutely I'm not a yeller. That's just not my nature anyway. But I don't want to be the person putting someone else down to maybe possibly feel a little bit better in the moment. So when frustration or anger or sadness or whatever shows up or I'm in a moment of not feeling worthy of something, who do I want to be? I want to feel worthy. I want to feel like I matter. I want to feel like I am a part of the solution that we seek to have a more loving, kind, compassionate and peaceful world. So it's going back into those things. I don't know that I answered your question right. So ask me again. I like I was saying there's no right way to do it. Yes. You know, <laughs> anything you do is right. <laughs> if you if you have another thought, please. But um, I you know, I it's just from the heart. We're just talking from the heart. Right. Yeah. I wanted to. Please, if, if you're like, oh, I want to say this. If, if, if you're inspired by anything at any time, please just jump in. I want to ask you too. Um, the first time I met you was a part of the intuitive community. You know, mm -hmm. I, I've, I've met you through various communities, right. and it was with that like spiritual, intuitive vein. You know, with how we were like, oh hi, I'm I'm Kelly. Oh hi, I'm Carol. Yeah. How how do you utilize um, your spirituality and intuitiveness within your everyday life and with your clients? Um, I think it's more like I don't really pay attention to it. So I think it's just there. And I definitely think, you know, things are downloaded. Um, I've tended to focus more personally on the positive psychology aspects of my work. Um, I guess for myself, and I absolutely believe in, um, you know, I'm a spiritual being and a human experience. Um, I think there's a, a too much of an emphasis sometimes and not allowing people to feel their human experience because they're spiritual. So it's really about, yes, you're spiritual. And guess what? You're human. <laughs> so the human is the person who is feeling hurt that somebody just broke up with them. You can try, you know, you can take it from that spiritual aspect. But in this moment, I'm hurting because of that. So it's about meeting people where they are rather than where we want them to be or on a spiritual level, we know they are. We, I know on a spiritual level, things are good and things are working it's the way they're supposed to and all that stuff. But on the human level, that's not helping people for me who are hurting right now. I, I 
can't if I try to tell them it's all good spiritually, uh, they shut down for me. It, it may work for other people, but it's not it's not been my practice. Yeah, no matter how it's employed, uh, you know, spiritual inspiration is is major. And some of the yeah. concepts are just so positive. Something you said, too, and, you know, you feel like you're OK spiritually. Um, and that means different things, to different people. Right. When, when you feel like that, you have a sense of peace. And um, talking to you earlier, um, you mentioned that something that you work on and um, with other people with is finding um, peace within chaos. Yeah. And I think the, the important part for me on that is, again, is to go into solutions. So uh, injustice is a big trigger for me. I've always been that way. But if I am focused on the cruelty and the wrongs of the world, I can easily fall into the how dare they's and why is this happening and all that kind of thing. And it's not going to make anything. It's certainly not going to make me feel better. And so the more that I can focus on what I want, I'm going to bring that forward. Um, there, people are protesters and they're out there yelling and screaming, and that might be their method. My method is peaceful ways of doing it. So it's about focusing on what, again, if I want a kinder world, it starts with me being kinder in my world. If I want a more loving world, need to be more loving in my world. I see so many people who talk the talk of kindness, love, compassion, and peace. And then you look at things that they've just posted and shared on social media and it's bashing the person that they don't like. How about talk about the person you do like and or talk about the the topics that you don't like, but in a way that it's going to be heard rather than name calling. I, I just don't think name calling is going to get us anywhere. Yeah, it's complicated, you know, like uh, we are full of so many contradictions yeah. and uh, that I think creates some of the chaos because we're not congruent with ourselves, with our right. belief systems, with our emotions. And all of a sudden, like you could see, you know, a family member, a friend, you know them for let's say 10 years plus, And you're like, what are, what are they doing right now? Yeah. But I think it's because we tend to be an all or nothing society and things are complex. It's there are things aren't, for the most part, good or bad. Now, something might be 90% good and only 10% bad or vice versa, but there's just not that much that if that we can decide yes or no on just this little bit of information that we have and not researching to find out more and find out if it meets our values. I think that when you know what you value, then that's going to help you determine not what's right for other people, but what's right for you. And so it's about stepping back and who do you want to be and how do you want to show up in the world? And I want to show up as a helper, not a herder. And I can go into the hurt mode if I don't pay attention and keep my daily practices about what world do I want to live in? I can certainly, I, I am not a shamer. I'm a very word sensitive person and shame is far too powerful for me, but I can blame and I can um, complain. So when I get into that space, I remind myself, this doesn't feel good. What solution, instead of just complaining about what I don't like, what can I do today to make it a little bit better? It might be removing myself from the situation completely. It might be making suggestions or, or just owning my own energy and not even trying to fix it, but stay within myself and what I have control over. Pretty powerful. You said you, you know, you highlighted your awareness. I am a helper, not a herder. But when you know, 
I'm hurt, I can, I can go into that place and I have to make sure that I, I, you know, I have to be responsible for that. And to really, you know, all this is just like, how can I put it? Like, we're just like entangled in each other's energy. Right. Mm -hmm. And we're tangled sometimes up in our own, certainly. And just the process of untangling and reshaping and have, and, and again, that we're taking responsibility. Um, you put it so beautifully with how, you know, people think and how you process things and um, how you guide them. Yeah. Well, and again, because of my word sensitivity, my challenges become in my thoughts far more than in my words or my actions, because I know if I say something hurtful, it now has life. I can apologize for it, but it it now has life. It's going to move on. And those are going to be there for that person to deal with, whether the apology is accepted or not you're going to remember that I said that cruel thing. So for me, it's to be aware of my thoughts, to shift them into focusing on what I want more. Some people, it's it's the words that they say. Some people, it's the actions. But it's in the awareness and the nuances of it. Because I think a lot of people, when they say harsh things, they don't see it as being unkind. Like I could say, I don't like the picture behind you, Kelly, which is not true. I like it. But let's say, <laughs> Kelly, I don't really like that picture behind you. That's a statement. If, if I say, Kelly, that's an awful picture behind you. Why would you have that on your wall? I would say, are you teasing me, Carol? <laughs> <laughs> that's being unkind. So you can still be truthful or, or not say anything at all. But the unkindness comes when we're really um, putting somebody down for whatever they are different about us. And I personally just have not seen that bring about more peace. Uh, Maybe others have, but for me, it just keeps us in that festering mode of what we don't want. Changing the narrative, changing ourselves. Yeah. Um, Let us know, what what do you have coming up that you'd like to share with other people? Well, Kelly Brickle, since you asked that, on September 9th through the 11th, I am going to do global free hugs again. So I'm sure you're going to sign up and grab a couple of friends so you feel a little bit more safe and secure and try it in your community. Um, but yes, we're going to give that a try. I should have written this down before I came on. I think right now I have three huggers on three continents. I have somebody in Asia, Europe, and North America. I have five countries, three countries, five countries, and nine U.S. states of people signed up to hug in. So it's really about, um, my my line is um, spreading love one hug at a time. And I encourage people to think about it and try it. Because again, I cannot tell you how scared and nervous I was the first time I did it. I um, and But I saw the impact that I had on people and we continued doing it once a month and then we turned it into two, twice a month. And that was in 2008. And by July or August of 2008, I decided, why not make it a global event? So I just started emailing people and people signed up. Desmond Tutu joined me twice. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so share, share who he is for a second for people who don't know. He just passed away in December. Archbishop Desmond Tutu. I'm, I don't, he's a Christian man. I don't remember which um, one he is part of, but he was big in apartheid and um, 
He has a book and it's actually one of my favorite books. I just listened to the audio um, last month and it's called The Book of Joy. It's Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama. And what I love about this book so much is here is Desmond Tutu who lived through apartheid, Dalai Lama who was exiled from his home and has been exiled since I think he was 15, um, a long time. He's in his 80s now. And how these two men have lived hard lives, one Buddhist, one Christian, and how they still find joy and how they find connection with people and how um, Dalai Lama prays for the Chinese people, even though those were the ones who kicked him out of his country. So it's about uh, seeing the collectiveness and rather, I like to say, look at the world as one person seven billion times rather than seven mm -hmm. billion people. Um, it's easy to be afraid of a group. It's harder to be afraid of one person. So it's really about connecting and knowing um, on the other side of that harmful act is a person who most likely, the majority of times, there are certainly psych, um, psychosomatic issues that people have that are out of, um, the, they're more the nature versus the nurture of their lives. But most people have had really hard things that have happened to them that brought them to the point of hurting others. I don't know if you're familiar with um, Brian Stevenson. He's one of my mentors. I've never met him. So he's a mentor of mine by watching his videos and, and things like that. He is an African-American though. <laughs> he, I just posted actually today about him on my page. He's an African-American oh. lawyer who yes. has worked with civil, um, with the injustice and quality of jails and how many more black Americans are in jails and things like that. And one of the things he has said is he's met people in jail who have done horrific things and need to be there. But when he heard their backstory, he could find compassion. He could find mercy for them. Didn't mean he was going to get them out of jail because they did something horrible. But I think we tend to, um, people that we're against disagree with, we don't see their humanity. And I can disagree with you and I can maybe not like you, but there's a person behind there. So it's really about meeting that person instead of seeing them as an awful person because they disagree with you and knowing whatever reasons that they've been brought up that way or their chemistry is that way, they still deserve compassion. Beautiful. I mean, <clears throat> every time you speak and I think about you with the movement of hugs, I'm like, well, you're just an alchemist of love. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a heavy healer changing the vibration all around you with wherever you go. And it's pretty powerful. So, so please, um, please share where people can find you, um, whether they want to work with you directly or attend one of um, your events or, you know, whatever you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. And I've merged my websites to make it easier for me. So it's Carol, Carol CC, wait, Carol CC Miller.com. You can go to positive-focus.org and it's going to take you to the same place, but that's where you can find my coaching hugs or um, any other thing that I do. My biggest goal is to travel the world and hug as many people as possible. So that's a great goal. That's a great goal. <laughs> I got to find goals back right. <laughs> Travel the world and, 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 and so love. I'm going to encourage you, though, to make a list of 
I actually, I'm surprised I even use the word goal because that is a word I don't, I usually use, what do I want to experience? Goal for me is kind of like, I have to do it. And if I don't, then I did something wrong. Um, I don't know how to say it any different than that. So I like, what do I want to experience? So I encourage you, anybody listening, to write a list of things you want to experience this lifetime from something that you know you're going to do tomorrow to the big, like, I have zero idea how I could possibly travel the world and hug everybody, but it's something I want to do. So write it all down. You're putting it in your energy field. You're going to focus on the things that don't scare you. So um, trying to think, I don't have one right now. One of mine, he just passed. So it, it's not the same, but on, on my bucket list was to meet Desmond Tutu. Another time I'll explain why he was impactful to me, but he was impactful because from doing the hugs thing, the way that happened really touched me. So I wanted to meet him and thank him for who he is and was in the world. I live in Chicago. He lived in Africa. He was an elder man with health issues. COVID is going on. He's famous. I'm not. So I did not see a path to how that was going to happen. So when I thought about it, more fear bubbled up than excitement. So I still wrote it down, but I did not pay attention to it a lot. Because if I paid attention and be like, he's in Africa, I'm in Chicago, he's famous, I'm not, this is never going to happen. So it's still in my bubble. But now I focus on the things that I think I can possibly do because I'm more excited about it than the fear. And then I can go into looking and researching ways to make that happen rather than the fear bubble up. So write down everything and then ask yourself, does it feel good to work on this or does it feel scary like it's never going to happen? And then and the more that you practice this, the more the things that you're afraid of are going to turn into what you're able to focus on because a new doorway has opened. Maybe, um, I mean, it didn't happen for this one, but before his health issues, he traveled to the U.S. quite a bit. So there was an opportunity at some point that I, I mean, I saw him speak. I didn't get to meet him, but I did see him speak years ago. So it could be um, opening up the opportunity for things to happen instead of saying this can't happen. Give it the possibility of happening. Beautiful. <clears throat> Give it the possibility. Anything's possible, right? Yeah. I want to say thank you for, for coming on the show today. Thank um, you for, for having me. Absolutely. You're welcome back anytime. Um, I love seeing you. I love talking to you. And if someone's looking to find a more positive approach to their life, if they want to activate peace, or if they want more positive focus, please go find Carol at carolccmiller.com. She's a wonderful, full of heart person. Can't recommend you enough. Um, with that said, thank you everyone for coming and I wish you a fantastic rest of your week. Um, go with love, go with light. But with a smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thank you.